England crowns a new king, Austria spoils Macedonia's debut, and Ukraine can't overcome that orange crush. Hello and welcome to Match Day 3 coverage of Euro 2020 from Bavarian Podcast Works. I am Jake Fenner here to give you all of the highlights from today's matches and give you a sneak peek as to what to expect tomorrow. So, first game of the day held at Wembley, England versus Croatia. It was a 1-0 affair, a relatively subtle affair in terms of goal scoring, but definitely was not a boring game in the least. Raheem Sterling scored the one and only goal of the day. Great feed from Calvin Phillips. He shot the ball as he was getting tackled and going to ground, was able to put it past the Croatian keeper, uh, Dominic Livakovic, and so 1-0 was the final score. It makes sense to make some kind of an argument here that Croatia was even, but after watching the game, at least especially in the second half, it did not seem that... England was ever going to be trailing this game, though the stats do kind of show that that makes sense, right? Uh, 50% ball possession on each side, eight total shots for each side, six chances created for England to five for Croatia, one big chance to none for England as well. Uh, Both had 84% pass success, but when it comes down to expected goals, that's really where the teams pull away. 1.51 for England to 0.36 for Croatia. Their chances were not that good this game. They just did not come out and provide as many nearly good chances as England did on goal. And that came from all over the place. That came from places like uh, outside of the box, places from inside of the box, from different players like Harry Kane and Sterling, as I mentioned. A great uh, block from Ivan Perisic prevented what could have been a pretty nice free kick goal from Kieran Trippier. It was a tight game the entire way, but especially in the second half, it seemed that England had it in the bag. Man of the match from who scored was Calvin Phillips, and I can completely agree with that. Calvin Phillips had a fantastic game for the three Lions today. He came out, he performed well, his passes were accurate, he was moving up and down the pitch, he was phenomenal. You saw the other part of that double pivot at the back, Declan Rice really staying more towards the back, being very subtle in his play, in his buildup, which is not exactly the role that he has at West Ham, but in this system, it worked pretty well because he helped make sure that the back line of Kyle Walker, John Stones, Tyrone Mings of Aston Villa and Kieran Trippier all kept a clean sheet. Other side note, Jude Bellingham made his first appearance at a major tournament for England, which would make him not only the youngest English player to appear at the Euros, but the youngest player, period, to ever appear at the Euros. So congratulations to him. One other note I need to make, Jaden Sancho just was not present on the bench at all. And Jack Grealish was warming up. It looked like he was warming up, but he was not brought in. So my assumption is that Grealish will start for the next match. And put Jadon Sancho in, Gareth. 
Just just put Jaden Sancho in. Don't leave him to rot on the bench. Because especially when you look at this bench, I'm looking at this bench right now. He has both of his keepers. He has Reese James, Luke Shaw, Connor Cody, Ben White, Jordan Henderson, Jack Grealish, Bukayo Saka, and then the three players that he used, Marcus Rashford, Jude Bellingham, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So that is one, two, three, four defenders and two keepers. They're... There's no reason why you need all of those people on there, all of those defensive players on there. Put Jaden in the squad. Put him in. Put him in the uh, in the full 18. Don't leave him high to dry on the bench. In terms of Croatia, they didn't perform terribly, but they did not generate enough good chances in the second half in order to compete with England, and so they will try to rebound later this week. Moving on to the next game, a 3-1 win for Austria over North Macedonia. We start off in the 18th minute from Stefan Leiner, the right back from Borussia Mönchengladbach. A great ball in from Leipzig's Marcel Zabitzer. Just a fantastic whipped ball from the outside. Leiner kind of jumps up, elevates himself almost Marco Van Basten-esque to try to drill that ball past the keeper. He was able to do that. 1-0 in the 18th minute for Austria. Moving up just 10 minutes later, Goran Pandev scores a goal. Martin Hinteregger has a terrible clearance. It bounces off the head of one of his own players. He did not make a good pass at all. The ball rolls back to the Austrian goalkeeper, Daniel Bachmann, who should easily be able to clean that ball up. But I believe it was Alexander Drakovic, as well as a North Macedonian attacker, all collided with him at the same time as he was trying to get the ball, though Bachmann got to it first. He clearly got to it first. But he was not able to hold on to the ball. It was Picked out of his pocket, basically, by, I assume, Alexander Tchaikovsky, who is able to poke the ball away. Bachman doesn't see where the ball is. Dragovic isn't able to get to it. And Goran Pandev, the 37-year-old striker from North Macedonia, is able to slot the ball home to make it 1-1 in Macedonia's first ever major European tournament, major tournament period game, they were able to score a goal. So that makes Goran Pandev the first striker from North Macedonia to score a goal in a major tournament. Makes it 1-1. And then after a pretty lackluster at times second half, so much so that I ended up in all honesty, falling asleep for a little bit of this game. Mikhail Gregorich, the attacker from Augsburg, scores a goal. A beautiful ball whipped in from formerly Bayern Munich, now Real Madrid player David Alaba. A beautifully whipped ball, beautifully curved ball into the path of a perfectly timed run from Gregorich, who scores, makes it 2-1. to one. And then in the 89th minute, it's all done uh, a clumsy pass from Beshtulai, and then ball falls right in front of the substituted attacker, uh, Marko Arnatovic, who kind of tiptoes his way around the keeper, slams it home, 89th minute, makes it a 3-1 final scoreline for the first match of Group C in Austria. 
63% possession for the Austrians to 37% for North Macedonia. 10 shots to 7 in favor of Austria. 13 chances created to 5 in favor of Austria. 3 big chances to 1 in favor of Austria. 84% pass completion to 72% from Austria. Overall, that makes it 1.99 XG from Austria to 0.62 for North Macedonia. This one was dominant for Austria the entire way through. There were times that North Macedonia really put some pressure on, but it wasn't really enough. It wasn't sustained enough pressure for them to be able to uh, really trouble Austria much. I think it was very funny at the very beginning when everyone was projecting that David Alaba was going to be playing on the left wing, and then it turns out that he was slotting back to play a center back role it was pointed out in the beginning by the commentator team that uh, in the past Austria has been criticized for not being wild in their lineup choices not being able to surprise their opponents that they're too predictable well no one going into this game was predicting that they were going to operate in a 3-5-1-1 and yet that's exactly what happened staying three at the back with Dragovic, Alaba and Hinteregger and only occasionally later on in the game was David Alaba allowed to roam up the wing on the left side and at that time it would either be Mönchengladbach's Stefan Leiner dropping back or Andreas Ulmer from Salzburg dropping back to cover that position for him as Alaba was able to run up the pitch. So overall, a great performance from Austria and some terrible looking jerseys. If anybody has read my my kit review for Euro 2020, you will know how I feel about these Puma template kits with the names of the countries in the middle. They just look disgusting but Austria wins three to one moving on to the final game of the day a game I sadly did not watch but it was the most exciting game of the day a three two final score for the Netherlands an intense first half somehow saw no goals a lot of teams just started out really slow in this tournament not the Netherlands and Ukraine they just came out shooting from the very beginning but no one was able to find the back of the net until the 52nd minute Dumfries has a pocket of space down the right side he tries to cross it in to find Memphis to pie uh, Ukrainian goalkeeper Bouchon has a great save but he has to come way off of his line in order to make it he like dive and dives at it and punches it so he's kind of lying flat on the ground by the time the ball finds Genie Vinaldum at the top of the box he slams that thing home makes it 1-0 for the Dutch there an utter rocket into the back of the net from Genie Vinaldum uh, in the 58th minute some really really poor Poor defending from the Ukrainian team. Uh, Vitaly Mikolenko is trying to slow down Dumfries as he gets a run in. He slips, but effectively stops the ball from moving. And then, unfortunately, Mikolenko is the left back. His center back partner, Mikola Matvienko, is unable to clear the ball at all. If anything, he just kind of lifts it with his foot. Like, really just lifts it up softly with his foot, 
over Mikolenko and is unable to clear it. And unfortunately for Matvienko, right behind his down teammate is Valt Veghorst, who is able to just take this ball one time and slammed it into the back of the net off of the, I believe, either the the left arm or the left leg of Bouchon to slam it into the back of the net to make it to nil. Now comes my favorite part of this entire game. If anybody heard my preview, they would know that the two players that I highlighted from this Ukrainian team are uh, Roman Yaramchuk and Andrei Yarmolenko. And I said Yarmolenko is a bit of a joke because he's a West Ham player, but I told everybody to keep an eye on him anyway. Andrei Yarmolenko started off as captain for this Ukrainian team, and guess what? He scored the first goal of the game. Andrei Yarmolenko in the 75th minute. Yaramchuk... The other player that I shouted out uh, just kind of left the ball for Yarmolenko after a pass, and Yarmolenko cutting in from the right, going to the left, hits this beautiful Aryan Robin-esque goal. A beautiful in-swinging ball going out to the left, then coming back into the right, into the top corner. There is absolutely no way that Martin Stecklenberg is able to get a hand anywhere near that. Two to one for the Dutch, but it takes only four minutes for Ukraine to find their equalizer 79th minute. Malinovsky sends in a great cross to Roman Yaramchuk, who gets his head right on it and past Stecklenburg, 79th minute, 2-2, a 2-2 draw. Frank de Boer-led teams were notable throughout his entire time as a manager, both at Crystal Palace and at Atlanta United, for giving up leads very late, and it seemed like that was going to happen again up until the 85th minute when a Nathan Ake cross finds the back post, finds Dumfries, who had missed a goal earlier, and in what really should have been a goal that Bouchon should have saved, the header from Dumfries went right down onto the ground. Bouchon dove too early. If he stayed on his feet a little longer and just shuffled to the left, he probably would have been able to get a hand on it, but he doesn't. He dives too early. The ball goes over his hand, and the Netherlands come out winning this one 3-2 to after that performance. So taking a look at the stats again, provided by Footmob, 62% possession from the Netherlands to 38% from the Ukraine, 1.64 XG to 0.56 XG for the Netherlands. 15 to 7 in terms of shots for the Netherlands, 12 chances to 9 in terms of shots for the Netherlands. It was just, for a team that only held on to 38% possession, it was incredible how many chances the Ukraine generated in this game. They did a fantastic job of being able to find chances, but did not find necessarily the possession that they needed to establish the attack a lot better. 593 passes completed by this Dutch team, completing 90% of them, versus 339 from this Ukraine team, completing 82% of them. So, Going into this uh, next round, we all thought that if Macedonia was going to be able to pick up points, it was going to be from this Ukraine team. But after this performance from Ukraine, 
I really doubt Macedonia is going to be able to pick up points at all. Now, let's go ahead and look towards tomorrow to see what we have. 9 a.m. Eastern Time, the first game of the day tomorrow. Scotland versus the Czech Republic at Hampton Park in Glasgow. That is going to be a very fun game to watch for anybody out there. If you are up at 9 o'clock in the morning, I know I will be watching this one throughout my day. The next game at noon Eastern Time, Poland versus Slovakia coming live from the Kristofsky Stadium in St. Petersburg. That will be a fun match as well. Robert Lewandowski making his first appearance in this edition of the Euros. And then finally, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, the other game in Group E, Spain versus Sweden, coming live from the Estadio de la Cartuja in Sevilla. It'll be a fun matchup in the southern part of Spain where the heat is hot, hotter than anywhere else arguably on the continent. We will see if the Vikings from Sweden will be able to keep up with all of that. So thank you all for listening. Please be sure to stay updated throughout all of this tournament by tuning in and listening to our podcast every single day and by making sure to check out all of our podcast posts as well as our written post covered throughout the entire week, throughout the entire tournament at BavarianFootballWorks.com. So thank you all for listening tonight. We will see you later.